Exodus 3, I'll be beginning verse number 1, I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Verse 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, speaking of the Lord, draw n- not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. A whole lot of ites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Now come, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. For the next few moments this morning, I'm going to title my message, Why? For what reason? Why? For what reason? Look at your neighbor and say, I don't know yet, but I'm about to find out. And you may be seated. Exodus 3 and 3. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. For the last couple of months, maybe the last three months, I have been studying about why. I've gotten books on finding your why and starting with why. And I've just been, there's been something about knowing why that has been dealing with my heart. Why defined is for what purpose, reason, or cause. With what intention, justification, or motive. Last week we were looking at when God asked why. I told you that psychologists suggest the best way for you to get 
context out of any situation is to ask why. Do not ask it once, but ask it a lot. According to psychology today, the first parents, at first parents, are delighted with what they have termed the wondering whys. Why is the sky blue? Why is water wet? Why is grass green? And, and, and so on and so on, the whys, the wondering whys. In fact, they, they have found that the initial wondering whys are actually, they make a parent proud because look how smart little Johnny is. Look how, how, how she's so inquisitive. Little, little Jane is so inquisitive. And so they, they are so just, they love that, that they can tell people how intelligent and how full of curiosity that their children are. But sooner or later, most parents will grow weary of their children's barrage of questions and wanting to know why. Psychologists give this as a reason. The reason for why that this happens is because, and this is their belief, not mine. I'm just telling you what they said. They went to school to find out all of this. I'm just relaying the news that they have decided on. They decided that parents get tired of hearing why because most or not all parents have no clue how to answer. They simply do not know why. And if they do know why, they don't know how to explain it to a three-year-old. I mean, how do you explain to a child that it's, it's a common misconception that the sky is blue, Jimmy? The, the sky is not really blue. It's simply reflecting the blue of the seas and the oceans. I mean, in fact, if you'll sit down, I have a little bit more to explain. The Earth's atmosphere, and it's a process known as scattering, and that causes our skies to seem blue even when they're not. White light will pass through our atmosphere. Tiny air molecules cause it to scatter. This scattering is caused by tiny air molecules. And, and all of those things, they, they increase the wavelength of light. And, and as it increases and de decreases, violet and, and blue light have the shortest wavelengths. And red light has the longest. And See, I told you, you can't explain that to a child. All of your eyes have already glazed over. Mine glazed over as I was reading it. And so that is when this happens. It's the old parental standby. Because. Because it is. Or because I said so. They went on to talk about something else that I'm not going to talk about. All, but they just called it the whining wise. But why? It's like I, I, can't, I can't even bring that into my message. Everybody will just want to go home. Because of all of the examples that they gave of the whining wise. But then they go on to tell us that once you are an adult, you do not escape the why. In fact, and, and I would love to be able to disagree with them, but, but psychologists tells us that it, it simply changes from a, a, just a curiosity about how things work. It, it changes from the questions of why is the sky blue. It, it changes from that to something like why did this just happen? Why does a seven-year-old have liver cancer? I do not have an answer for that. And maybe that's some of the reason why I have been so just, just 
burdened by this question of why because we ask and we wonder and we're looking for the reason why. And they tell us that if we ignore the the proverbial elephant in the room, it's not helpful. I mean, I don't know how they got this elephant in this room. Somehow they did. Got him in there and... He's messing things up. And what happens, the psychologist tells us, is that if, if we ignore this elephant that is in the room of, of not wanting to ask why, we, if we ignore that, we actually lose valuable information. It will slip away from us. Because asking why, it helps to eliminate confusion that is caused by all of our, 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 our preconceived assumptions and, and, and lack of knowledge if we do not ask why. We live a life filled with partial knowledge, and that's dangerous. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. The bush was burning. However, It was not being consumed. We are able to look at this from the outside. We have the privilege of already knowing by the time that we get to verse number 3. We already know that the reason why the bush is not being consumed. We already know because Moses tells us why. He tells us. He looks and says, look, there was this big old elephant in the room and, and, and it was simply this, that there was a bush over there and it was on fire and that wasn't what the elephant in the room was. Uh, the, the big elephant in the room is it wasn't being consumed uh, and so I'm going to go over there and I'm going to find out why. We already know that it's the voice of the Lord, that it's the presence of God because burning bushes in the deserts are one thing, but bushes that aren't being consumed, that's a complete different issue. And so Moses looks and says, I'm going to try to find out what is going on and why it's happening. Our title this morning is a direct translation of the word why. From Exodus 3 and 3. Why is translated why? For what reason? Moses looked over and said, I must know the reason. What I have found over the last few months during my study is that more than likely we all know the what. But we might need to be reminded of the why. Because I said so is not a why. Because the pastor asked me to is not a why. Because so and so did this or because that's the way that it's always been done. That is not a why. That does not inspire. That does not cause anyone to grab a hold of a vision. That does not cause anyone to have a burden. So I'm going to give you an example or two this morning. Over the last year, we have focused on the addition. We've been planning. We've been giving. We've been celebrating. We've been anticipating. We've been anticipating a fellowship hall, classrooms, a nursery, two extra bathrooms, 1,650 new square feet for banquets and baby showers. But that's a what? 
It's a result of giving, planning, executing, and praying, and asking God for the right number. It, 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 it's, that's the what of everything that's going on. It's, it's not about a number. It's not about even that we need more space. But I'm going to give you the why this morning, and I'm giving this to you with all the love that I have in my heart. Please, I need you to stay with me. Because out of the approximately 21,000 people that are in Arnold, nearly 1,200 of them are ages 5 and under. What about the 18-year-olds? 18 and under, it's almost 4,600. 22% of the population would be in one of those classes, and that is why. It's not about a number, but it's about a child that needs a place that they can come and find safety. It's about a child that needs to come and find somewhere that cares. It's about someone being willing to reach out and say, I'll go out of my way. I'll go out of my comfort zone. It's not about square feet. It's about a salvation of a child, of a broken family, of a broken home. It's about a burden to somebody will care about the loss. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. When I preach that there will be children receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in those classrooms, I believe it. That's why I have them. That's why they're here. That's why I'm telling you this. It's not so we can get excited. Oh, we ought to be excited, but there ought to be something that says, I've got to see it. I've got to see it happen. I need to see children filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've got to see their life change. I've got to see something happen in their life. When I look around and see young people, when I look around and I don't see young people, that's why I'm looking for a youth pastor. That's why. Not, not for any other reason. I stood with Brother Pennington back uh, a few weeks ago. It, might have, it was around Christmas time or somewhere after. It was when it was really cold and he was doing some work here at the church. And we were just talking. And I just began to just kind of pour out my heart because he was here and he had to listen. And he couldn't go anywhere because I wasn't going to let him. I said, Brother Pennington. And I gave him an example. And I said, that's why we've got to have a youth pastor. That's why we've got to. Because what would have happened if we would have had a youth pastor? And I feel guilt about things that have happened, things that we've experienced, and things that we've seen. And I'm wondering, God, was there more that I could have done? And there's something on the inside of me that says it's not about saying we have the biggest church. It's not about saying how big our youth group is. It's not about any of that. But it's about somebody reaching out for a child that's broken and alone. It's about somebody letting a teenager that's alone and abused know that somebody cares, that somebody loves, that somebody's reaching. Somebody's got to look beyond the what and see the why. And the why is the eternal salvation of somebody's soul. It's the eternal hope of glory. It's Jesus Christ making a difference in someone's life.
And I go and I begin to read about the pain and confusion. But then I walk into a store and I see that pain and confusion all over their face. I don't have a choice. I see the why. They're targeted each and every day. It can't be the elephant in the room. It, it, it's more than a problem or a difficult issue that's so obvious. That, that's what the, the idiom elephant in the room means. It's, it's a problem. It's a difficulty. And, and it, it's so obvious that everybody sees it, but we ignore it out of convenience because we don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. I'm not here this morning to, to say anything that's going to bother anyone but I wonder this morning if maybe we need to be a little uncomfortable I wonder if we need to allow something to begin to stir on the inside of us and something begins to make us a little bit uncomfortable. We can't turn a blind eye anymore. Revelations 12 and 12 says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. One translation of that reads, For this cause rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that tabernacle in them. For this cause, for this reason, he says, here's why you can rejoice. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and power of His Christ have come. And the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. The accuser has been cast down. We have overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We get excited because we have victory over Him. We get excited because we have power over him and it says get excited over that but it does not end no it continues with woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time I want you to rejoice that you've got power. I want you to rejoice that he's been cast down. I want you to have good old-fashioned Sunday morning camp meeting, go to service. I want you to do all of those things. I want you to have the beat of the drum. I want you to have the sound. I want you to have the music. I want you to have it all. Shout and dance, scream and holler, sweat and spit. Do it all. But while you're doing it, I need you to be bothered because at the same time, at the same time, you're having good service. At the same time, you're rejoicing. At the same time, all of that is going on. The devil hath come down in great wrath. We need to be bothered by this. We need to be bothered that it's not, he's not upset that he's been cast down. He's upset because his time is short. He knew... He knew that it was 
that it was inevitable. He, he knew he would be cast down. He, he knew that it was coming. But what's, what's got him angry, what's got him filled with wrath, is that he doesn't have as long as he used to. And if you think that he is not targeting this generation, you are sadly mistaken. I've worried and I've questioned about giving this example, but I'm going to give you an example. This week, the boys were at the house this weekend, and we have a game that they both can play together. But some of it's beyond my understanding because I'm just getting old. They can walk in, and in four seconds, they're already playing the game. So I'm looking up how for them to play together in this game. And I'm on YouTube, and I look up, and I feel even worse because the people that are giving me the explanations, Brother Jack, they're like 12. I clicked play, and this kid comes on. Hey, guys, a lot of you that are wanting to know, I was like, man, find somebody else. Hey, guys, everybody's wanting to know how to play together. I was like, oh, come on. And so I, just, I go through, and they're, it's, they're all kids. It's a kid's game they're playing. It's all kids. I look over into the right-hand side, into the playlist. And in the playlist, there are just video after video of answering how. But the second video is an ad, and it says sponsored. It's a colorful, bright ad. And in big, bold letters, it starts off and it says, are you gay? It's in a child's playlist. The video changes and it says, click here to take the test and find out. You need to be bothered. You need to be uncomfortable. You need to be stirred because this world, they're not concerned about your child. They're looking at an agenda, but there's got to be somebody that looks and says, I see the reason why. It's not about coming to church. And the reason why is somebody is after my child. Somebody is after this generation. There's got to be somebody that's not worried about what the world thinks. There's got to be somebody that has a burden that says I'm not going to be going along with everything. I'm going to watch what my child does. I'm going to watch and see where they're going. I'm going to pray over them. I'm going to let them know there's a heaven and a hell. Someone needs to be bothered. I took a picture of that and I sent it to my friend in Kansas City. And I just told him, I said, I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. I said, I am so burdened because of this. He texts me back almost immediately, and he's got a young stepson that's like 14 or 15, and he says, we'll be watching videos of things. They love going camping and hunting and all of those kind of just wonderful outdoors things. And he goes, we'll be watching. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, because we're on his account, child's account an ad will pop up and say have you been wondering if you're gay 
never pops up on the stepdads. You can't tell me they're not targeting your children when they're having parties that they're deeming they're, they're deeming them to be appropriate for children. But it's drag queens simulating sex acts in front of four and five year olds. And schools are condoning it. That's why. That's why. That's why I have a burden. That's why I preach like I'm, that's why, because everywhere that they turn, there's someone that's trying to bring confusion and chaos into their life. And my Bible tells me that my God is not the author of confusion, but he will reveal to us the confusion that the devil is trying to give into this world. Somebody's got to be bothered. I know we might be uncomfortable, but I'm here to preach until we're so uncomfortable that something changes in us because we've got to see the reason why some of us can look and say oh look at that burning bush it's not being consumed turn around because it's easier to ignore it and pretend it's not going on it's easier to ignore it and live our life filled with comfort just live our life with, with, with Pollyanna glasses of just everything's fine, everything's good, everything's wonderful, everything's pretty. But all the while, this world, this world is being consumed. And yes, I believe uh, that where sin did abound, grace does much more abound. I believe that in the last days, the same last days uh, that they tell us about that pestilence uh, and all kinds of things are going to happen. Uh, I believe everything that they tell us in Matthew 24 uh, is going to happen. Uh, but I also believe uh, that in those same last days uh, that he is going to pour out his spirit uh, upon all flesh. Uh, but we can't rely on that. We've got to be bothered. We've got to be bothered and say it's not enough to know. I want to be a part of it. I want to pray it into existence. I've got to be ready. I've got to be aware. I know why it's going to happen. It's because I'm going to make a difference. Take the test. Are you uncomfortable yet? We need to know why we're doing what we're doing. Is it all right if I bring it a little closer to home? Singers and musicians. Thank you for sharing your talent with us. Thank you for helping create an atmosphere. I've been told by multiple first-time guests when they come in and they hear the music, they're just, they're amazed by how you guys just blend together. How that it's just, it's just there. Brother Darren has told me of when people would come in and guests and family members would come. I, it's, there's so many different people. 
They've just, they've just been in awe of how amazing you are. And believe me, I want it to be amazing. I want it to sound great. I do. I want us to present. A, I, I want us to be able to, to, to offer something. I, I want us to offer something that, that sounds good, that it's pleasing. I, I, want us to, I want us to sound good because I believe everything that we, should, that we do should be done as unto the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and, unto, and not unto men. Brother Marty, it was a few Sundays ago, and there was a song that you really, I could tell you liked it. It's not bad. I was so jealous that he has all of this howling, and I can't even clap on beat. But Brother Marty hit one of those, like, it was, he hit the note, and then he hit a slide. And then popped it back up and just kept going. I was like, man, I stood in awe. And Brother Justin, I was so thankful that you were on the lyrics because I would have been like four songs behind because I just stood and watched. Brother Jack, I was 14 years old when I bought my first guitar and my only guitar from the pawn shop. It was a knockoff of a knockoff. Our friend Kathy... She, I have no idea, but she just had a talent. They could have one price on it, $125. She could walk in, and I bought that knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff Les Paul for 60 bucks, and they threw in an amp and a cord. <laughs> brother, brother, Jack, brother Jack, she walked in. She said, how much money have you got? And I had $85. I said, well, you're going to need new strings. You're needing a couple new things. And she goes, you're not walking out of here paying more than 60 bucks. And I said, okay. <laughs> Kathy walks up. And goes, hey, can I help you? And, uh, and she goes, he wants to see that one right there. And he goes, that one? Oh, that's a nice one. You know, he starts his car salesman pitch. And I was like, hey, I recognize this. My dad was a car salesman. Have you seen those almost new tires? <laughs> They've only got 47,000 miles on them, Brother Jack. They were almost new 47,000 miles ago. He pulls that thing down. It's all out of tune. He's like, he's doing things. And he's playing a little bit. And Kathy goes, let me see it. She's tased and starts playing. I was like, man. So she keeps, he's not paying that much. He don't have that much. He's not paying that much. He's not paying that much. He's this is all I can do. And he goes, I'll even throw in this amp. She just kind of smiles like, yeah, he can do that. But Brother Jack, I brought that thing home. I put those new strings on it. I tried to learn. And it just doesn't work. So Brother Jack, when you're up here just warming up, I'm sitting back in the office going, man, he's my father-in-law, and i got to love him. <laughs> but come on, God. Even the dogs get the crumbs. 
it was in one of those moments that God just like, nope, none for you. <laughs> I had so much faith. I prayed. I did all those things. I brought that thing to Missouri when I moved to Missouri. I got married. I looked at it, and Kim said, are you ever going to learn how to play that thing? I said, nope. <laughs> so I blessed someone. There was a, a ministry helping hand type thing down there, and I just, I walked in, and I, I had that amp. It was an Ampeg. I don't even know if that's any good or not. Took that thing in with the guitar, the hardback case, everything. It was pretty. And I said, here. And they said, we can't afford to buy this. And I, I said, it's a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff. You don't have to afford anything. I just got married, and this is going to create so much harmony in my home. But Brother Jack, as wonderful as you sound, as wonderful it is that when you're playing, that's not why we do it. When you guys come, it's not about how talented. It's not about how, how good that you sounded. It's not about that. When the singers, when Sister Trish, when Kim, when, when, they, when they get together, when those drummers get going and they're on beat and I'm just down there just missing my hands. Why is not so that someone will walk out of here saying, wow, that sounded good. The why is so that we can create an atmosphere for the miraculous. Why is so that the presence of God can begin to flow. Why is that someone can be touched. Bethel, we're blessed with good singers and musicians. We've got so much to be thankful for. But we can't let practice last longer than our prayer. It's more important than sounding good. There's a why and the why is a broken and hurting world I know it's uncomfortable but I need somebody to be willing to say I'll leave a mu I'll leave an instrument to go pray in the altar I don't have to go to the platform to pray in the altar I need a saint that's willing to say I know why Oh, believe me, I spend hours on my messages. I spend hours, I spend time looking and searching. But I stood down here this morning and I said, God, whatever you want to do, if you want to take over this service, that's fine. I pray at every service because my message is as important as somebody that's broken being healed, somebody that's lost being saved. I know the reason why and the reason why is because somebody has to have a hope what's more important than a sound believe me I am so I was so uncomfortable last night as I was going over this trying to find I was so uncomfortable So if you think you're uncomfortable, think how I feel right now. 
But what I feel is an unction of the Holy Ghost because what we're trying to do is create a culture that's authentic. We're trying to create a culture that we actually know how to walk the walk. We're trying to create a culture that people will feel the presence of Almighty God. We're trying. We're trying. When I say that you have to be friendly, I'm going to tell you why. When I beg you to be friendly, and I don't have to, but when I try to get the importance of a smile, here's why I was on the, on the phone with, with a person at the beginning of last week, an hour and a half, started in the car, I came inside, I sat right back around where you are, Brother Stan, an hour and a half. We talked about Bible study. We talked about water baptism. We, talk, we talked about brokenness in church. Trying to find a church where they fit. They began to tell me a story. Just so they wanted me to have an understanding of what was going on in their life and maybe why they weren't going to church. They told me of a certain church that has a large congregation. I've never been there, so I couldn't speak to it. But they told me, they said, we were there for weeks, and no one spoke to us. We didn't look like them. They said, you know what we were so worried about when we walked in? Because we looked different that we would be singled out and everyone would want to bring us to the altar. I've never been to this church. I don't know anyone. And so I just told I said, I can't speak to that church. But can I tell you about Bethel? <laughs> Sister Julie, I'm so glad you're here this morning because you're part of this story. Sister Julie, it was her first Sunday here. And Sister Sharon, Brother Gary, they're at the door and they're all smiling. And Sister, Sister Julie comes in. And Sister Sharon, they introduce each other. And Sister Sharon just puts her right here. Sit, sit with me. Sister Sharon goes back out, you know, because there are more people coming in. She wants to be friendly. She wants to be nice. And Sister Leach, I'm glad you're here. Because in between time, Sister Leach happens to look around and sees Julie just by herself. So Sister Leach says, that's not happening on my watch. <laughs> Sister Leach just said amen in case you didn't notice. She comes back here. She gets, she gets Sister Julie. She brings her up. And I'm just kind of watching all this. Sometimes it's fun to be the pastor. <laughs> Sister Sharon comes back in and she's looking confused. I'm like, what's going on? She said, Julie's gone. 
She goes, I brought her right here. She was going to sit with me. I said, she's over there. Sister Sharon may have been a little frustrated. But I think it was a week or two later, there's another guest that comes in. Sister Sharon brings her and sits her back over there in, in the same spot Sister Julie was. And I watch. Sister Sharon keeps coming in and looking. Then she goes back out. Brother Gary's cracking up. I go back out, and I, I just say, what's going on? And Sister Sharon, with all this boldness, says, Sister Leach ain't stealing my guest this time. <laughs> so I'm telling this people, I'm telling these people this story. I said, so, so at our church, we're going to fight over you. Oh, I said, I'm thinking about starting up a tag team wrestling. <laughs> At the end of the year, they're going to have a belt. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed because here's the why all of that happened. It was a few weeks before that, a few weeks before Sister Julie. We were here at the church. We were painting. And this lady walks in, in the middle of the afternoon. She doesn't introduce herself. She says, hi, are you the pastor or is the pastor around? I said, I'm the pastor and I introduced myself. And she just said, well, all I need to know is when's the next time you have church. I said, well, we don't have it on Wednesday night because we're trying to get everything fixed and painted. I said, but Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We have service. And she looked at me and says, okay, I've been looking for a church. Does it matter what I wear? And I said, well, sort of. I don't want you to come in a swimsuit. <laughs> she laughed too. She looked at me and said, you know how long it's been since I've been in a swimsuit? I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> I just want to make sure it's not on a Sunday morning. She said, you know what? I think I can handle being here Sunday at 10. Sunday at 10 comes in, comes and goes. She's not here. Music's going. She's not here. Right as I come up to get ready to speak, she comes in and she sits by herself. So there are, there are reasons. There are excuses. She sat there by herself the remainder of the service. We had the altar call. She stood there alone the remainder of the service. I dismissed. I made my way to her as fast as I could get there. She was ready to go. And I said, hey, 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 wait. 
she looked at me and she said, we've got a problem. And I said, no, we don't. She said, yes, we do. And I said, if there's a problem, I'll fix it. She said, look at me. Tears in her eyes. She said, I don't look like you. I've got pants. I've got my earrings on. My hair is cut. I don't look like you. But no one would speak to me. I tried to say, well, maybe you came in in the middle of service. She goes, people saw me when I came in and I was by myself. She said, maybe I just don't fit here. She wouldn't give me her name. She didn't fill out a card. I asked her, I said, please, will you fill out a card? I'll call you. We can get together. That's not who we are. She was very polite and walked out those doors. And I've never seen her again. I'm praying that God gives us another opportunity, another chance. But after that happened, I went and I talked to people. And so that's why they're fighting over guests. That's why I ask us to please have a smile. That's why I ask us and I preach that we've got to care about others more than we care about ourselves. Do you know how much courage it took for a woman To walk in those doors alone. Sit for an, the remainder of service alone. And walk out of those doors feeling even more alone. Because now she felt rejected. That's why it matters. That's why. Come on Bethel, that's why. It matters. That's why. That's why. I don't apologize for any of this. This has been on my heart for three weeks. That's why we have to know why. That's why I encourage people to worship because you create an atmosphere for those that are around you that don't know how or don't feel comfortable or they feel ashamed. You create an atmosphere that God can touch them and heal them and comfort them and deal with them. When I ask us to come to the altar, I don't do that so that I can look and see how many people are in the altar. 
I don't do that so that I can call anyone and say, wow, you wouldn't believe the altar call that happened after my message. In fact, most of the time when I'm given an altar call, I'm not even looking because it's not about that. I ask you to come so that we don't put anyone on display. I ask you to come so that the one that's alone, they don't feel alone in the altar. I ask you to come because it creates an atmosphere for the miraculous to happen in the altar. I'm not asking you to come so that I can judge. We're not asking anyone to come so that anyone could could judge. If if you're on the altar and judging, you need to be the one that's praying. But we can't have we can't have people come to the altar. Oh, I I love and this has happened a handful of times in the entire time. I, I've been a preacher. I've, there have been messages that I've preached and people have just come down to the altar. Ruined an entire, ruined a great message. I remember one time I was preaching that Jesus was coming and there was a young man there that had never been to the house of God of any kind. And I was preaching. I hadn't even got, I wasn't even like in the home stretch yet, but I was just preaching that he was coming and we have to be ready. He got up and almost ran to the altar. Those moments happened, but you know what else happened? People came around him. He, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait on someone to tell me, oh, it's, this is the right time to go. He had to be there now. But when that doesn't happen and the presence of God is still dealing, that's why I say, will you come to the altar? So no one's alone. It doesn't mean you're a sinner. It also doesn't mean you're a saint. It just means that you see why we go to the altar. There's power in knowing why. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 3, Moses decides to know why. Verses 4 through 6, Moses learns why, and it changes Moses. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. It will change you when you know why. It will change you. It will change the way that you see this world. It will change the way that you see the the person that that waits on your table in the restaurant. It will change the way that you see that person that's at the checkout stand. It it will change the way that you see the person at the grocery grocery store or at, at the gas. It will change the way you see your neighbor when you see them through the lens of why. Verses 7 through 9, God gives Moses a promise. And then verse 10, God gives Moses direction. There's power in knowing why. And I close with this as the musicians will come. Which 
twice in Matthew 26, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Jesus knew why. His why was simply for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He remained under the load of the cross, the scorning. He scorned its shame. He felt the insult, the translation said, he felt the insult of the shame of the cross. In the garden, Jesus looks at Peter and he said, he said, Peter, put away your sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to just come and protect us? And they would be here instantly. He looked at Pilate and said, Thou sayest I'm a king. But to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. He said, this is why I'm here. Your why. Can we stand? I'm why. It's bigger than a building. It's bigger than a promise. It's bigger than a word. Why? It's about the eternal destination of a soul. If you are in this house this morning and you do not have a relationship with Him, if you have never started a relationship with Him or maybe at some point that relationship just kind of cooled off and you've just been living your life, When Jesus looked at Pilate and said, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. He was talking about you. You are His why. You are the joy that was set before Him. You make all of the pain and shame of the cross worth it for Him. This morning, if you will repent of your sins and all that means is if you will ask Him to forgive you. And when you ask Him to forgive you, you have every intention. It is with everything that you have, it is your intention to turn around and go another way. You've made up in your mind, I'm tired of being like I am. That's all repentance is. He will forgive you. You can be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. All of that that really means is 
His presence will take up residence in you. And in that moment, you'll be able to look and say, that's why He did it. He loved me. This morning, if you were here and you're wondering why, it's because He loves you. Bethel, if you're here and you've been so focused on the what that you've forgotten the why, I'm going to open this front for everyone that will. Come and find a place to pray. Will you come and ask God to remind you of the why? Will you come and say, God, I'm too comfortable? Woe to those that are at ease in Zion. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil hath come down in great wrath. Is there anybody that will be bothered enough to say, God, remind me why? God, would you fill this place? Just wanna be. Would you fill this place? Just come on, God. God, we're, we're creating culture, but I, I need you to remind us why. Open our eyes that we may see. Be surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, but God, until we hear you say, Well done, thou good and faithful, I need you to remind us why. Come on, find a place to pray.